recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Morning, church. It's great to be with you. It's great to come around God's word together. Um, and uh, this morning, I'm, I'm excited to bring this word to you as we continue our vision series. Uh, I'm really believing that God's going to speak and encourage our hearts this morning. If you're joining us uh, for the first time or you're visiting and you've been checking us out over the last few weeks, I encourage you. Uh, you can jump on our website and, and hear last week's message and, and certainly any other messages that you would like to hear to find out more about our church. Uh, and we'd love for you to connect with us and reach out to us uh, so that we can get to know you and uh, tell you more about our church and share with you more about Jesus. Um, but let me pray and we'll jump into our message this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is living and active and powerful. And, and thank you, Lord, that when your word goes out, uh, it ach achieves all that it was intended to and it fulfills your purpose. And so, Lord, we bring our hearts to you in this moment. We still our thoughts and our hearts before you and we sit under your word. We sit under your authority and we, uh, we come with, with faith and with expectancy and with hope in our hearts that, Lord, you want to speak to us. And so we pray that, Lord, you would uh, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying and give us the power of your love and strength to live out your word, Father so that we might see it bear fruit in our lives. Help me to communicate it. Help us not to be distracted this morning, uh, but to receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So this morning, church, I want to speak to you uh, on the topic of the theme of a firm foundation. A firm foundation. And I don't know if you've ever had the experience of being in a situation where your foundation was rocked or you were standing on something that kind of gave way a little bit. Uh, if you're anything like me, most of us, I think our instinctive reaction is to reach out and to try and grab a hold of something to just stabilize our footing. Uh, a good example of this is maybe if you've ever walked on a rope bridge uh, or something like that, where every step you take uh, is kind of uncertain and, and shaky and uh, in, unstable and you kind of want to grab onto something to give you that stability. Now contrast that with walking across the harbour bridge. Uh, I've done that um, several times. And I want to tell you that not once did I try and reach out to grab a hold of something. Not once did the thought even enter my mind that my feet were going to give way, the floor was going to give way, and I was going to fall into the ocean. Uh, not once did I even give any conscious thought to the fact that I could die here. didn't even enter my mind. Uh, all I was aware of is just walking enjoying the view, appreciating the beauty of Sydney Harbour and getting on with whatever I needed to get on with to get to where I needed to go. That is the difference that a firm foundation makes. And I want to ask you this morning, how firm is your foundation? How confident are you on the ground that you're standing on? Uh, maybe uh, recent events with COVID and the things that are happening in the world, things that are happening in our church, things that are maybe happening in your life personally, have maybe shaken some foundations. And maybe you've felt some tremors that have made you really anxious and, and really concerned. Um, or maybe you, you've come to a greater awareness of the insecurity and the, uh, the instability of the things that maybe once felt stable and solid under your feet. 
or maybe you, you've come to a greater appreciation of how unpredictable life is, how uncertain the future is, how little control we really have. And maybe that's given you a greater sense of surrender to God, or maybe that's really freaking you out. Or maybe you would say categorically and confidently that your certainty is in God and His faithfulness and His promises. You, you, you are so confident that the foundation you're standing on is sure because it's based on God's Word and God's promises and who God is. And that's awesome. The question I have for you is, are you living in the light of that? Are you living in the fullness of that reality? Or do you still find yourself from time to time grasping for things to grab a hold of to give you that sense of control and security and again church as much as i'm preaching to you i'm preaching to myself um these last seven months in in our church since the beginning of the year have been really challenging for lots of different reasons um and i found myself feeling the shaking of of the things that i was confident in and so sure of under my feet I've, I've felt my confidence uh in in my ability and my uh my leadership and all of that really being shaken and it's really made me ask myself these same questions I'm asking you. What am I really putting my confidence in? What am I really trusting in? Um, and maybe you find yourself in that same situation because I, I want to let you in on a secret. I have no idea what the future holds for you, for me, for our church. And, and maybe if we keep thinking that we can have confidence and have a sure foundation because of our certainty, I think our current situation and environment has shown us that that's a false hope. But the good news for us as Christians is that the gospel and, and God's word gives us the sure foundation that we all long for. It gives us this solid ground to stand on that our hearts are craving for and longing for probably more than in any other time of our lives. And so our theme for next year that we're continuing to explore is the word firm because we're believing that God is calling us to be steadfast in our faith, to stand firm in our faith, but more than that, to step out in our faith and to see God using us even at this time of uncertainty to be a blessing to others, to reach out to others, to impact others, to, to base our confidence on knowing God more and trusting in Him and trusting in His Word and in His promises, to be overwhelmed by His presence and His love so that we know how secure we are in God's love, so that we experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And when we gather together as a church in such a powerful way that we are strengthened in our inner being to stand firm, that's our theme and that's our focus and vision for this next year. So this morning, as we continue to dig deeper into that and explore that, I want to draw your attention to, to one verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. If you want to turn there in your Bibles or your devices, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. And this verse comes at the end of a, a very long chapter where Paul has been expounding and teaching about the resurrection of Jesus and the implications of that resurrection. Uh, and... Uh, this is one of the key verses that God put on my heart for our theme this year. And it says this, chapter 15, verse 58, 1 Corinthians. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stand firm. There's our key phrase. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. There's that step out in faith part. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
you know that your labor in the Lord is not in, in vain. So Paul issues two challenges here, and these are the, the same two challenges that I'm issuing to us as a church. Firstly, to stand firm, stand firm. And l- let's spend a bit of time unpacking that a little bit. You know, there's so much in our world right now that threatens this ability that we might have to stand firm. Even in the in the church, in our church, but in the church globally, you know, we're seeing constantly the, the failures within the church, the moral failures of Christian leaders, the disappointment of people that we look up to and respect who are denying Christ by their life or by their teaching or by their walking away from the faith or a whole bunch of things. We, we live in a time where the Christian uh, church is marginalized more and more and more in our culture. More and more of the things that we've been so uh, renowned for are being eroded and undermined in our current day and culture. There's so much attacks against the claims of the church and the truth of the church and the integrity of the church on, on the internet and in the media and all over the place. The church is accused and attacked of all kinds of things today. We, we certainly don't have the respect and the credibility that we once did. And then we look around in our world and, and, and we see the brokenness and the suffering and the pain. And, and maybe we wonder, God, where are you? And we doubt and we wrestle and we struggle because we don't see the, the presence and the power and the love of God displayed in the world around us. So even more personally and closely, maybe we're questioning the things that we once held so sure. Maybe the things we were certain of and the things we believed without doubt and without question have been rattled and shaken because of the things that are happening in the world or because of the things that we have experienced personally in our lives. And we've now got questions that we, we sit uncomfortably with and, and we have doubts and we have discouragement and despair and hopelessness creeping into our hearts. Uh, just uh, even this week, uh, the, uh, around the family dinner table, Dash was reminding us of uh, reading some of the things from the Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, and just the, the horrible treatment of Christians in so many places in the world. And we found ourselves heartbroken, saying, God, just it just seems so unjust and unfair. And, and it just, where are you, God? And like the Psalms, we find ourselves crying out to you, God, how long and where are you? And, and that can attack and undermine our faith. But even as Paul says it here in 1 Corinthians, stand firm, we need to remind ourselves that the early church were no different to us. The early church experienced the same challenges and the same assault against their faith. When we read the book of Acts, we see that there was persecution. When we read the book of Acts, we see that there was the threat of wrong teaching dividing the church. We, we see that there were issues between the church leaders. We, we see that there were issues between the Jews and, and the Gentile Christians. We, we see that there was uh, disputes about mission fields and we see there's spiritual opposition and spiritual attack. And, and we see all of those things. And even in the book of Corinthians, where Paul writes this statement, we see division in the church. We see church, uh, church members aligning themselves with different leaders and their loyalties uh, being given to different leaders. We see immorality in the church. We see the abuse of spiritual gifts in this church. We see that Christians were taking each other to court in this church. Um, we see that there was wrong teaching about the Lord's Supper and abuses in the Lord's Supper. And, and we see um, all kinds of crazy things that are happening in this church not that different to the things that we're experiencing today. And into that context, Paul is still able to say, stand firm, let nothing move you, because there will be threats. There will be things that threaten to undermine and weaken your foundation. But Paul is saying, stand firm. 
The second thing he tells us here is always give yourself, always, not just in the good times, not just when it's easy, not just when it's convenient or it fits in your lifestyle or you're in a good season or all of those things that sometimes we say to ourselves. He says, always give yourself. And he says, give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, not half-hearted, not, you know, I'll give what I can. No, he says, give yourself fully, whatever that looks like for you right now, giving yourself to the work of the Lord to serving him, to serving his people, to advancing the gospel, to making Jesus known, to sharing the goodness of God with others, to being generous and blessing others, to stepping out in faith. He's saying, do that always, do that fully and work for the Lord. Why? He said, because you know that your labor is not in vain. You know that what you do matters. You know that what you're doing advances God's kingdom. You know that it's making a difference in the world and in the lives of other people. So keep giving yourselves always fully to the work of the Lord. Now, I said I was going to speak from one verse. Well, it was a little bit of a lie uh, because I want to speak and show you from the rest of this chapter why Paul can make these claims. You see, the reason why he can call this church in the midst of all of their uh, attacks, in the face of things threatening to move them and to shift them and to erode their foundation, he reminds them, Uh, of four pillars that their foundation was built on in the rest of this chapter. The reason he can call them to stand firm and to step out in faith, to keep serving God fully, is is because of everything else that he has said and unpacked in this chapter. Notice verse 58 begins with a therefore. Therefore, which means Paul is saying, in light of everything I've said, in light of the rest of the chapter and my argument there, then stand firm. So in order for us to fully appreciate what Paul is saying here, and in order for us to be encouraged today to stand firm and to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord, we need to hear and understand and see the four pillars that Paul is building this foundation on. Because the foundation that provided the stability for the Corinthians is the same foundation that provides stability for us. So what are these four pillars? Well, the first one is that Paul says that we can be certain of the gospel certain of the gospel listen to what he says now brothers and sisters this is verse one to four i want to remind you of the gospel that i preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand see that's where it begins verse 58 is the conclusion on which you have taken your stand by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word i preached to you otherwise you believed in vain For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And here's the gospel. You know, people throw this word around, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. What does it mean? Well, here Paul tells us what the gospel is. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Friends, I want to tell you that you can be certain of this gospel. In our culture and in our day, there's so much attack against the truth claims of Christianity and the truth claims of the gospel. We might wrestle wondering, you know, is Jesus' work on the cross sufficient? Is it enough to save me? We might be shaken because we might wonder, is my sin too great? Is my sin too much? Do I need to do more to assure my eternal salvation? Well, Paul reminds us here, categorically, that we can be certain of the gospel. That is a solid footing for us that we can stand on. And and why? Why? Because it has been passed down from from people that we 
can trust and who are reliable. You know, I love what, what Peter says uh, in, in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. He says this, We did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And then John says something very similar in the beginning of his letter in 1 John. He says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make, your, to make our joy complete. Friends, we can be certain that the gospel is not some myth. It's not some fable. It's not some delusion of somebody's thinking. It has been passed down by people who heard it, who saw it, who touched it firsthand. And much more than that, by people who are willing to give their lives for it, who are willing to live for it and to die for it. That's why we can be certain that Christ's work is sufficient. It is adequate. It is a sure foundation for us. Friend, maybe you're watching this morning and you're not a believer. You haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus. And maybe you're, you're clamoring and clutching and wondering about your eternal security and how you can be made right with God. Well, friends, I've got good news for you. The work of Jesus on the cross is adequate, is sufficient, is all you need to put your confidence and your trust in. He has done it all. When he cried on the cross, it is finished. You can be sure that he meant it. It is done. And you can put your faith and hope in Jesus and have the assurance that you will be with Jesus in heaven forever because it is sure. Not like the COVID vaccination. You know, they're, they're saying, well, we can't guarantee that you won't get COVID, even if you've been vaccinated, you might need a booster. And, and maybe you think your salvation's like that. Maybe you're wondering, is it sure? Is it guaranteed? Or do, will I need a booster? Will I need to do something else? Will I need to do my part to, to make it sure? No. Christ's work is sufficient. The gospel is certain. And that is your first pillar. The second pillar is resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus. And again, Paul reminds us that this truth in, 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 in the Christian faith is so central. And in verses 5 to 23, he unpacks this in great detail. And he tells us that if the resurrection didn't happen, then we're all doomed. Really, we're all doomed. Our, our faith is futile. Uh, our ministry and our gospel work is pointless. It, it's the center of the Christian faith, the resurrection of Christ. Now, again, we, we live in a, in a time and a, a, a period where so many people dispute this. They've come up with other theories for what happened to Jesus' body. The disciples stole it. He didn't really die. He, he, he kind of revived himself and all bun bunches of conspiracy theories of what the church has done to, to hide the body of Jesus and all kinds of things. But again, I want to tell you, church, this is something we can be certain of. Listen to what Paul, uh, Paul says in verse 5, that 
that Jesus, the risen Jesus, appeared to Cephas or Peter, then to the 12, verse 6, after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Again, friends, we can be certain of the resurrection of Jesus because it was told to us by eyewitnesses who saw, who heard, who touched Jesus, who saw Jesus eat fish, uh, uh, a ghost or a spirit, can't do that. But the resurrection of Jesus, Paul tells us, is a certainty. And imagine this. You know, there's also a lot of conspiracy theories about uh, the first humans on the moon. Right? You've probably seen these things, you know, the flag wasn't waving and all that kind of stuff, or the flag was upright or whatever it was. All these conspiracy theories. But imagine somehow if you got the opportunity to have breakfast with Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrich. Imagine if you got to sit across from them and just ask them any question you wanted about their experience. And they shared with you what it was like to be there, to, to hear, to feel, to, to touch, to experience all of those things. Then you would only have one decision to make. Do you, from hearing them and talk about it, do you believe, are you convinced that their experience was real? Or do you think that they were imagining it or dreaming it? Right? But you can't dispute the fact that these people had an experience that they're able to recount to you. And not only that, see, these disciples, when they were challenged and forced to, to deny the resurrection of Jesus, they didn't. They were willing to lay down their lives because they were convinced of its truth. Most people, most normal people, wouldn't willingly lay down their lives for something that they know to be not true. If you held a gun to Neil Armstrong's head and said, deny that you ever walked on the moon or I'm going to kill you. If he didn't do it, he'd be a fool to die for something that he knew wasn't true. And sometimes we think that the resurrection is just something we have difficulty getting our heads around. Let's be honest. It's, it's a crazy thing, right? It's one of those mysterious, amazing, wonderful God things like the, the incarnation, the virgin birth. We just can't fully wrap our heads around. But lest we forget that even in the first century, this was a radical thought. Let me remind you of when Paul went uh, and to preach, uh, I think it was in Athens or on uh, Mars Hill, one of those places, and he was talking about the resurrection. They laughed at him. They, they, up until then, they were willing to listen to what he had to say. But when he started talking about the resurrection, they were like, this is nonsense. And yet Paul says, this is a certainty. This is a pillar that you and I can stand on. What great assurance we have. And why is this important? Because Paul says, verse 20, listen to this, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, which means that the dead in Christ will rise again. We will see our loved ones that have gone before us. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also came through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Friends, the worst thing that we can probably fear in this life is death. But because of the certainty of Jesus' resurrection, we can be certain of our resurrection. And that ought to give us confidence to stand firm. The third pillar Paul gives us is the certainty of the new order that God is ush ushering in in Jesus. 
Now, Paul spends a lot of time from verse 35 onwards talking about this new body, and Paul's focus is about the resurrected body. But this idea is part of something much bigger that God will do in Christ. And it is to create a new heaven and a new earth and to make all things new. And friend, I want to tell you, as you look around the brokenness of our world and, and the pain and the, and the tragedies of our world and, and just the mess that our world is in, uh, like me, maybe your heart longs for heaven, longs for paradise, longs for something better and something more amazing and wonderful. But here's the problem. Sometimes we can't really get our head around what heaven's going to look like or what heaven will be like. And so sometimes we can doubt the reality of heaven because we just can't understand what that world will be like. And we find ourselves going, God, is it real? Could it really be true? I don't understand. And, and to that, Paul gives us this assurance that God in Jesus is recreating everything. And our human bodies are just part of the wonder and majesty of what God is doing. Listen to how Paul describes it. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead, verse 42. The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. And then verse 49. And just as we bought, we have borne the image of the earthly man, Adam, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man, Jesus, the heavenly man. Jesus' glorified body is the prototype, the first installment, the first fruits, Paul says, of what all our bodies are going to be like supercharged, glorious, immortal, invincible. Like We can't even imagine what that's going to be like. Listen to what he says. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, verse 50, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen to this. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We will not all die. Death will not have the last word, but we will all be changed. There's going to be transformation. There's going to be a, a complete new order that God is going to bring about in a flash, in a moment, not in a slow, gradual, long, enduring process, but in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. There it is again. The perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Friends, this new world order that God is ushering in in Jesus is going to be nothing like we can get our head around, but we can be certain of it. Why can we be certain of it? Even if we can't imagine what an imperishable, glorious, supernatural, heavenly body will be like, because Jesus has risen from the dead, because Jesus already has that body, because Jesus is already living that reality. Just like a, a caterpillar transforms into a butterfly. And when you look at a caterpillar, you can't even begin to imagine what a beautiful butterfly will look like. And yet that destiny is inevitable because God created it that way. Just like that, we can have a certain confidence in the gospel, in the resurrection, in the new order, because Jesus has already risen from the dead. The last pillar that Paul talks about is that we can be certain of ultimate triumph, ultimate victory. And again, as you look around the world, maybe your heart breaks for the injustice and the violence and the corruption and the evil that we see all around us. Maybe your heart again, yearns and longs for, for God to make everything right. And then you just cry out, God, when will that be? How long, Lord? 
And, and Paul reminds us here again in this passage that as, as believers in Jesus, that is one of the pillars that upholds our firm foundation. Listen to what he says in verse 24. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And then jump across to verse 54. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sin? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. Here's a key verse. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that is the fourth pillar. Victory is assured. Triumph is assured. Jesus will come and will vanquish every principality and power. He is reigning. He is triumphant. And we can look forward in hope, in confident assurance, because Jesus has already triumphed over death. He has risen from the dead. And because of that, we have this pillar that we can stand on that is firm and solid and stable, that there will be ultimate victory. You know, it's a bit like uh, the last movie in the Marvel series when everyone's fighting Thanos and they're trying to do everything they can to destroy Thanos and they're going, are we going to win? Are we going to, Are we going to? you know, overthrow Thanos? Can we survive? And everyone's wondering, where is Captain Marvel? She's just gone. She's out there somewhere. When is she going to come back? Is she going to come back? And she does. She does come back and then everything changes and then in the click of a finger, Thanos is gone. That's the assurance that we have as we sit in this moment, as we battle principalities and powers and we see evil and injustice and violence and corruption in our world and our heart breaks and we look to the skies and we go, when Jesus, how long Jesus? And we might not know the answer to that, but we can have this confident assurance that Jesus will return and we will have ultimate triumph when he does that death itself, the last and final enemy, will be defeated and that we will live in, in, in God's new order, a kingdom of righteousness and justice and peace where Jesus will come and overthrow every evil and every unrighteousness and we will stand firm forever. You see, when you put it all together, friends, this is what is so profound and powerful. Jesus is not dead in a tomb somewhere. He's not buried somewhere. He's alive. He's risen. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, worshipped by angels and heavenly beings. He's enthroned in righteousness and glory and majesty. And he is ruling and reigning and he's building his church and he's advancing his kingdom. Like a little mustard seed and a lemon, it will spread across the whole world. And it is already all over the world. And Jesus will come again to defeat Satan and his evil demons and to cast all wickedness and unjust into justice and violence into the eternal uh, uh, damnation. He will bring about his kingdom of love and joy and peace and righteousness, and we will live with him forever. And that's why, that's why you and I can stand firm. That's why we can keep stepping out in faith. We can give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord because we know it matters, because we know it makes a difference, because we know that in some small way, God is at work in and through us 
to advance his kingdom here on earth for his will to come and his purpose to prevail in the meantime while we wait for Jesus. This is not a time for shrinking back. This is not a time for folding the arms and waiting and looking up into the sky and, and, and waiting and waiting for Jesus to come. No, this is the time to engage with the evil in our world. This is the time to make a difference. This is the time for us to rise up and step up and lay a hold of all that God is calling us to be and to do in our world. Just finish with one last illustration. Uh, when our kids were young, they used to have this little toy called roly-poly. And it was a little plastic clown uh, and it had a weighted base. And you know the amazing thing about roly-poly? that every time you knocked him down, he would just spring back up again. You'd knock him down and he'd spring back up again. You'd knock him down and it's, you just couldn't keep him down. There was a song that we used to sing, I get knocked down, but I get up again. That was Rolly Polly's song. And that's what Paul is calling us to be, to be spiritual Rolly Polly's. That our, our foundation is so strong and so solid and so stable that no matter how many times we get knocked down, we get up again and we keep going because we know that Jesus is alive, that he's reigning, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is coming again to bring about his kingdom in fullness and in glory. Why don't you bow your heads and let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. I want to invite you to just take a moment to just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Maybe your foundations are feeling really shaky right now. Maybe things have happened to you that have made you question God's love for you. Maybe you've been disappointed, felt let down, maybe felt even abandoned. Maybe you're questioning the, the, the place of the church and you're wondering whether this whole Christian thing is real. Or maybe you don't even know Jesus. And the things that you put your trust and confidence in are, are, are crumbling under your feet. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you wherever you're at. And maybe you do stand firm. And maybe you, God's been growing your faith. Maybe God is challenging you to live like you're standing on a sure foundation. To step out. To give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. To let go. To surrender to Him more. Whatever it is, whatever you feel God is speaking to you about, I pray that you would respond, that you would repent and you would turn to Jesus. That's what repentance means, just turning away and turning to Jesus with your whole heart this morning. Father, we invite you by your Holy Spirit in these concluding moments to make this message particular and specific and real to people wherever they're at in their journey. Lord, I lift up particularly those who, who've felt like their, their world has given way, their, their, their footing and their foundation has given way under them and they're crashing. Lord, I pray in this moment, will you cause their feet to land on solid ground, on rock. Lord, that they would sense beneath their feet something sure and stable and firm, firm foundation in Jesus. But for those who don't know you, I pray that they would reach out to our church, reach out to another Christian friend or a relative and find out more about trusting in Jesus and the certainty they can have because of the truth of the gospel, that they are forgiven, that they are saved through the forgiveness of Jesus and his death on the cross. Lord, for those of us 
who are in a good place spiritually. And we've been encouraged through your word to stand firm in you. Lord, I pray that we would live in light of that. Lord, that we would hold on to hope, that we would continue to stand firm and to step out and to give ourselves fully to serving you, to advancing your kingdom while we wait for our, for our eternal redemption and the hope of Jesus' return. I pray your blessing over every individual, every home, every family. I pray, Lord, for your blessing over our church. Lord, that we would continue to be about our Father's business in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and in the city of Parramatta. For your namesake and for your glory, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church Podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.